traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians from all around the world, all breeds. This is Scott Miller with the International Equine Report, live on BBS Radio. I'd uh, like to have you call us in. Uh, question, 323-744-4341. Uh, that's our call-in number, and we'll answer any questions that you've got uh, about the equine industry. Um, on the International Equine Report today, uh, we're going to do a, a lot of different things here. We're going to kind of uh, potpourri day today. Um, one of the things that uh, we try to get out to our listeners and to equestrians from all around the world is the importance of the journey that gets you there. And that's our, our saying here. The journey starts here in the International Equine Network. Because what we're trying to do uh, here at IEN is make the equine world accessible to everybody with just one click and to our website, and we can get you to any discipline, um, any um, uh, item you might need in the equine industry, uh, take you a tour around the world. But uh, the journey starts right here with us, and that journey starts with us because you're going to tell us your journey that you're on. And just remember your questions. The, the best thing that you can do uh, in the business um, it's nice to win races. It's nice to win shows, sell a horse at the sales uh, for a million dollars. All those things are really good. But when you sit down and look back on your equestrian endeavors and the journey that you've been on, you talk more about the the journey than you do the actual win itself or the sale itself. And that's important is to create these memories and document those memories. Um, that you'll have because I know I've been in the business all my life and uh, what's interesting now is when I sit down and, and look at um, um, the uh, uh, memories that I have and heck I, I'm going back 40 years now to when uh, one of my first experiences was winning the Louisiana Derby 40 years ago and um, I, I talk more about the the, the people and the things that we did there and how we got there and, and where we went from that point on. And, um, you know, it's really great. Um, it's great memories to have. Uh, and nowadays it's so easy to take from, um, pictures and photos and uh, document your journey and with a snap of a button uh, from an iPhone. And so that's what we're trying to, you know, get everybody to do uh, on the International Equine Network is uh, call in and ask uh, any questions you want, tell us your story so that we can get them out there and let other people enjoy uh, some of the things that you might have done or go to some of the places that you might have been. Uh, and also, that's here on IEN uh, uh, Equine uh, Network. Uh, and so let's get this International Equine Report started today. Um, we're going to start with uh, uh, some news from the Buffalo Raceway cancels uh, Wednesday racing. Um, Buffalo Raceway has canceled uh, live harness racing for Wednesday, March the 2nd, 2022. Buffalo Raceway and Western New York Harness Horsemen's Association deeply regret the recent cancellation of live racing at Buffalo Raceway. 
For the last five weeks, we have employed the services of one of the leading racetrack consultants in the country in an effort to conduct live racing in Hamburg, New York. It's located on the shores of Lake Erie, where, uh, where the weather variances occur daily. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot to maintain in a track, and it's very difficult to do because of the weather variances that you might have. Um, here, for example, here in Buffalo, so we've been faced with uh, four thaw to freeze occurrences that have changed temperatures by uh, up to 50 degrees in the last 48 hours period, causing the racetrack to go from frozen to melting condition to a melting condition. The Horsemen's Association and Racetrack Management are doing everything possible to alleviate this problem with uh, the hopes of racing on Saturday, March 5th. Now, what's interesting about this is this occurs all over the country. And um, you might think that, take for example, Florida, for example, um, you have a lot of heat differences. Uh, it can go from you know, 95 degrees down to 70 degrees. And you see a sharp, uh, distinct um, temperature drop or increase, you know, here in South Florida. And that really doesn't affect the track that much. Uh, it does to a certain extent, but not like it does in places like uh, this time of year, Buffalo and Kentucky and um, New York and, and even into California. California can have some real big uh, temperature changes there that are, are drastic, but they're not as severe as they are like they would be in uh, Buffalo, you know, uh, that, that type of thing. So that's one of the things that, um, you know, we, we like to report about and let you know why that uh, they're not racing there and, you know, what the uh, uh, Buffalo Raceway is trying to do to correct it. And then we go out west now to Santa Anita moves March 4th card to March 7th. With uh, March 4th weather forecast calling for 90% chance of rain in Arcadia, uh, where Santa Anita Racetrack is located in, and the, they consulted with the thoroughbred owners um, of California and the California Horse Racing Board um, to announce that it will shift Friday's eight-race program to March 7th. The first most time will be at 12.30 Pacific time. Accordingly, uh, there will be... No redraw with Monday's program rescheduled as the, an expected replica of what had been planned for Friday. Although the rain is predicted throughout the afternoon on Friday, Monday's Arcadia forecast is for sunny skies with a high of 68 degrees. With mandatory payout of the Golden Gate Fields 20-cent single ticket rainbow pick six jackpot on tap Monday, the first post is scheduled for uh, 12.15 p.m. Uh, Pacific time and will thus uh, run currently with Santa Anita. March 5th is the inaugural uh, first Saturday featuring a day of racing, pairing Santa Anita with Gulfstream Park with 15 stakes included, uh, scheduled between both tracks, including three grade one events at Santa Anita, Sat, uh, uh, Sat, Santa Anita Park, Saturday is poised to be one of the biggest days of racing this year. So what they do is they have a, they combine the Gulfstream and the Santa Anita Park uh, program to uh, run 
um, every other race would be uh, Gulfstream and, and same for Santa Anita. Uh, you know, every other race would be uh, uh, Santa Anita for Gulfstream. So it's really good. It's really a good uh, thing to watch. It's a good day of racing. Uh, many stake races uh, on, on that day uh, showcasing some of the best horses in the country. And, and it's really a, a great day. But it just goes to show you that on the East Coast and West Coast, um, the temperatures, uh, how they affect the track, um, how, how the weather, the rain uh, affects the track, and uh, it's all in about uh, it's all about safety for the horses, and for the jockeys, and, and for the owners and trainers, and, and for the horse. That, that's our utmost uh, um, thing that that we're pushing now is horse safety, equine safety, all through um, all through what we're doing. Uh, here on a day-to-day basis for the industry. And that affects training, too, just not the racing. Um, that affects the trainings in the morning and, and, you know, things of that nature. So it's just not just racing, but it's the 24-7 uh, safety that they're lo- looking for. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with safe horse racing uh, is what we're trying to do. Um, so now we're going to touch on a subject that a lot of people don't like to talk about in the horse industry. We're talking about PEDS. Uh, we're talking about uh, medication. Uh, we're talking about uh, violation of the state racing commissions. Uh, we're talking about a lot of things. And today, uh, this afternoon, uh, standard bred trainer uh, Chris Oates will be sentenced to jail. Uh, you can go to harnesslink.com for all the uh, information uh, that will be on that. Uh, it will be up this afternoon sometime, I, I would imagine. But um, what's happened is there has been 29 indictments issued uh, over the last year, and we've had people that were mislabeling medications and giving their horses uh, stimulants and things that would enhance their performance. And they were being mislabeled, and it's a widespread uh, uh, project that was carried out by uh, a group of individuals uh, over the last, I'd say, probably ten to fifteen years. Uh, with with uh, no doubt that they've gone back in their investigation, you know, to find out um, how long this has been going on. And now that they've got the twenty nine indictments. Uh, a lot of the people are pleading guilty and going in and, and taking their sentences, and others are going to court. The whole long and short of it is is rules and regulations. Um, there's no uh, way, shape, or form that a good trainer would actually go in and take um, the risk of doping a horse or doing something illegal uh, you know, with a horse to uh, get them to the winter circle. Uh, you know, the owner, it's not right to the, to the horse. It's not right to the owners. It's not right to the public. It's just not right at all. And now that they're getting caught, um, you know, it, it's, it just goes to show that we are doing a safety, you know, check on everything in the, in the horse industry. And they've gone from, from grooms to, uh, hot walkers to trainers to owners uh, to racetracks. There's 30 racetracks now under investigation uh, 
about, um, you know, the distribution of these medications and how it happened and who used them and who didn't. And, and the list, last list I saw, uh, was, it was well over 500 people, uh, throughout the, the industry, uh, that, that they have, have want to talk to or that have used these products. And so it's a long drawn out process and they, they, they are being caught. And we have an example with, uh, Bob Baffert in Medina Spirit. Last year's Kentucky Derby winner was, uh, disqualified for testing positives uh, for uh, illegal drugs. And the argument seems to be how much was in the horse's system, how it got there, you know, there's every, every, every kind of um, uh, way that uh, excuses that have been, that these horses have been, uh, have been drugged. And the court system, they've gone through the court system. The court system has found them guilty. And now, you know, they're going to have to serve the time. And the thing that really gets me about the situation with Bob Baffert is that they're trying to delay everything. They're trying to, the best they can, to do anything they can to keep uh, Bob uh, involved so that he can race in the Derby this year. Now, granted, you know, Bob did wrong. He was convicted in court of, of doing wrong. But nevertheless, Bob is a good horseman. He wouldn't got to where he has gotten to over the years if he didn't have good equine knowledge. And, and you know, somewhere along the line, these things started happening. And the shame of it is, is to win the derbies that he's won and the triple crown that, that he has won, that is all tainted now. It's all stained. Um, you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you just don't know. Where, I, I mean, you know, for me, um, that, that's the way I look at it. Uh, his victories have been tainted and stained, and it makes you wonder about all the victories that he's had. And, and so, you know, when you start getting involved that heavily into uh, the business and creating situations like this, and you you tarnish the image of the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown. That's something that uh, people really don't get into, and they just hear it in the news, and they go, "Oh well, yeah, you know that." I always knew they were cheating, and and that's from the novice, that's from the general public. And so what we want to do is make sure that the industry gets cleaned up, that the people that have got caught do their time pay the price, and move on. And, and we need to do things that can help prevent, you know, these things. Uh, you know, you're looking at the Kentucky Derby. It's one of the most watched sporting events in the world every year. And now you know good and well that uh, the, the media, uh, they, they've got two roads to go. They can, or actually three. They cannot say nothing about it and, and just go on. They can report it as it happens and then let it go. Or they can do in-depth, you know, stories about it, how how they got there, how that happened, you know, what what turned them on their journey to victory, made them do the things that they did. And so that's one of the things that, um, you know, I'm going to be doing off and on 
you know, here and there. Not that I got a great big audience that's listening to me, but at least I, I'm, I'm getting it out there for anybody that does to make them realize that the industry can be fantastic. It's full of history. It's full of uh, pomp and circumstance. It's got parties. It's got Derby uh, Derby Week. It's got uh, Preakness Week, uh, Belmont Week, Breeders' Cup Week. Uh, you know, Florida Derby Week, uh, Tampa Bay Derby Week, Santa Anita Derby Week. You know, it provides a lot of things uh, for the communities in this country to, um, you know, um, enjoy and brings income to, uh, you know, those cities. And unfortunately, that the press that we've been getting over the last uh, year is not good. And that kind of takes away from the excitement uh, of the of the Derby. But on the second hand, it gives conversation uh, about the Derby. And a lot of people that really don't know uh, the business might uh, get uh, read a little more and find out a little more about, uh, you know, just what PEDs are, just what, uh, you know, who's doing what and everything. So that, that's my take on it. Um, it's a shame that it happened. Um, I've lost a lot of respect for a lot of trainers and owners uh, that have um, used these medications, and, and not that it matters to them or to anybody else. It's just my own personal feeling that um, I'll have a hard time uh, dealing with some of these people that um, have been um, uh, convicted, and uh, uh, it's going to be tough for me uh, because in my business, I deal with them every day, and especially here in South Florida, I'm involved in the show horse business, the standard bread business, the sales, the transportation, and the racing end of it. So my path crosses all of them at one time or another. And let me tell you, it's been for pretty quiet and cold mornings, uh, you know, in, in my in my life. So that's where it's at. Now, one of the persons that um, I work for, and uh, he's a great man. Uh, he really changed our business around a lot. He he brought a lot of class to the business, and uh, you know he he kind of almost single-handedly, you know, at one time saved the business because of his his style. Um, he's got a swagger to him that that has gone on for years, and um, you know you're, we're looking at at people, for example, like a top pleasure, uh, top trainer uh, of the year, year in and year out. Uh, one of his workers and, and all the other people that I'm getting ready to tell you about all work for him. We're looking at Karen McLaughlin. He worked for Wayne. Uh, we're looking at Randy Moss. He worked for Wayne. Uh, you know, we're looking at Dallas Stewart worked for Wayne. We're looking at a, a lot of people, you know, that uh, have worked for Wayne and they're, um, you know, <laughs> it's amazing how they got their education and they went on and carried his practices and his style one, because they're first-class operations, and that's where it all started at was with Wayne uh, there. So uh, what we're going to look here is this is from our friends at the Blood Horse. Had a good article in the Blood Horse uh, on him today. It says, Hall of Famer trainer D. Wayne Lucas said March 2nd that owners could provide first line of defense for horse racing's integrity by ensuring the trainers they employ bring the highest standards uh, to the game. Lucas offered his, that insight Wednesday during a thoughtful and entertaining talk uh, with, as the keynote speaker at the National Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association Conference at Oaklawn Park Hotel in Hot Springs, Arkansas. 
it could help clean up the sport a little bit. Have the owners interview the trainers, Lucas said. They should talk with the, with the trainers and be comfortable that he or she is going on uh, to be honest. Not put your um, put you in a bad spot. Pick your trainer you know is, is going to do the honest job and not get in, you in trouble or them in trouble. Uh, they don't want to get themselves in trouble, uh, especially you know when you got good owners out there. In recent years, one of the prominent trainers, Jorge Navarro, had been convicted of federal uh, charges related to the performance-enhancing drugs, and other uh, and another Jason Service faces federal charge charges of similar wrongdoing. Lucas said, owners who could weed out some of the problem trainers just by sitting down and talking to them with them and knowing that uh, there may be times that corruption is coming from the ownership level. Uh, Lucas said owners should face sanctions beyond the loss of the purse. If their horses fail drug tests, he said that um, uh, that would help clean up the sport uh, in which it would. If everybody that has a hand in that horse uh, and is training or breeding or, you know, what have you, if they know that there's, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a penalty uh, for breaking those rules, uh, you know, then, then a lot of people might take a second, uh, uh, you know, uh, thought on that and, and not do it. I think they should sanction uh, the owners, Lucas said. Maybe they can run a horse in a graded one for one year or run a, a certain track for one year. So in other words, what he's saying, if you get, if an owner gets caught, um, you take away the, the big money races, the graded races, you take those away from, them. uh, you take that track away from them. if they can't run, um, you know, let's say for, uh, they can't run in the Derby or, or in, in Kentucky at any of the tracks that hurts the owner. That goes directly to the pocketbook. Sure. They can go to other States that would accept them, you know, but um, uh, that's what you don't want. You don't want to get known as, uh, you know, having a bunch of uh, uh, rule breakers, you know, at your track because that's not good for the public. Uh, you know, there is, I think the owners would have to feel uh, like that, uh, like getting a trainer who is not going to let them get in trouble. Lucas recalled training horses for W.T. Young, which I worked for Wayne when he had W.T. Uh, Young's horses from Overbrook Farm and the great responsibility he felt in that role. I can't believe I would ever put him in a position where he would have to answer something like a failed drug test, Lucas said. I did everything I could to get uh, not to get him in trouble. Despite uh, battling uh, back issues uh, the past few years uh, and about uh, COVID-19, Lucas, 86, was sharp as ever and fresh, off of the victory with Secret Oath in the Honeybee Stakes for three-year-old fillies and runner-up finisher with um, Ethereal uh, Road and the Rebel Stakes for three-year-olds. So Wayne's back on the on the trail to the Derby. Um, he, he's an ethical guy. He does a lot of good things that um, for everybody in the sport. Um, uh, and, 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 and in introducing Lucas's, uh, uh, Wednesday, Nancy Holtus and Alice for Oakland Park simulcast said she had never been as emotional as she was interviewing Wayne Lucas 
after Sikhodos went in the honeybee. After hearing the kind words Lucas quipped after uh, hearing Nancy introduce me, I think I need to start chain, uh, charging a higher day rate. So you see, Wayne pays attention to things that people say and do, uh, you know, in regards to him and his operation. Um, you know, and there he was thinking her publicly, uh, you know, through the Blood Horse Medi- uh, uh, publication and, and other, you know, uh, uh, media avenues. And, and she really appreciated that. But Wayne noticed that. And that's the kind of guy he is. Um, Lucas spent much of his time encouraging horsemen to find ways to promote the sport, even if it's a single person at a time. And see, that's one of the things that, that I learned from Wayne when I was working for him. Um, it started this podcast, uh, uh, you know, trying to do the best I can, trying to, you know, uh, take it up uh, another level every week, um, you know, which slowly is coming. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying to take it up a notch because there's no quit in in, in my stable. Um, like I was taught, you know, by Wayne. And, and he recognizes that one person can literally change the whole business. And, and to be honest with you, back in the day when, when Wayne first got around to coming to Churchill and, and getting into the business, he literally was that one person that changed the business because he came in and, he, he brought integrity. He brought uh, class to the, the operations. Um, his barn was painted. His uh, had flowers and had, uh, um, you know, the barn was all, you know, spot on, as they say. His grooms, his help, always dressed clean, acted clean, uh, presented himself well to represent uh, Wayne and his owners. Uh, that, that's one of the big things. Every horse that went to the paddock uh, looked like a brand new, um, you know, like a brand new million dollar horse. Um, they were clean, uh, they were healthy, they were fit, they were ready to run. And um, I heard Wayne say many a times, uh, we had a horse uh, that, that was uh, the favorite in the, in the race and should have won, and he runs fourth or fifth. And Wayne came back and he says, hey, he said, today wasn't our day. We just got beat by better horses, and he let it go at that. And Wayne always said, uh, told his uh, people that were working for him, it says, um, it says, when you lose, say very little, and when you win, say even less. He said, and maintain that class, first class operation, and that's what that's what you do with Wayne if you spend any time with him, uh, you know, to do that. And he realized that one person can change, uh, can turn it around. Uh, Lucas uh, said that for years. He has been selecting young people at the track to join him in the winter circle after victories at the track. We let their parents know we'll return them, he said, uh, with a laugh. And, and so, you know, that, that helps that helps lay the foundation for people that might want to get into the business as an owner or as a trainer or, you know, as a hot walker or a groom or, or you know, what have you. Hey, when I, when I worked for Wayne, um, I was hot walking. I tell you what, I went in with khaki pants on, a button-up shirt, and shiny shoes every day. Went in with them every day because even though I was the low guy on the totem pole, I was still part of the team, and I still had to present that image. And that's what that's what we did. Uh, we did it no matter who you were or what you did in that organization. Um, that's the way you did because we respected how Mr. Lucas wanted to, to have things done. He says, 
Lucas said he receives letters from young people in college or law school who thank him for the winter circle trips for, from years ago. Uh, the trainer noted that it's up to participants in the sport to build racing. And that's so true. And, uh, you know, like, like again, we were saying about all the, these, uh, uh, violations that have been recorded here and people that are going to court. Um, you know, it's up to the industry to, to police it. It's up to the industry to make it happen. Take a little time, say good morning to somebody. Uh, you know, that's, that might be a, a patron at one of the tracks. Uh, uh, give them a little high, a little wave, you know, uh, and, and get them excited about the business because they're our future. They're our future owners, trainers, jockeys, grooms, hot walkers, transporters, feed people. Uh, you never do know where they'll fit in. And, you know, that, that high or that good morning and that introduction might be something that gets, uh, you know, a, a champion into the uh, into everything that we're doing. And Wayne says, I get a better feeling these days from talking to small to to a small child in the winter circle, more enjoyment than the winning. So Wayne really likes to to see those kids in there, and he enjoys the the thrill that they get from being in the winter circle, uh, you know, with Wayne and a winning horse, and and that's really more important um, than than the win is for Wayne. Uh, you know, that's where he gets his enjoyment, and like we say here. On the International Equine Network, it's a journey that gets you there. And that's where I got this from, was from Dwayne Lucas. Uh, that's where I got the journey. I went on a journey that was just remarkable with him. Uh, we had horses in there, uh, like um, Farm Away, and uh, just a Twilight Agenda. Uh, you know, just amazing horses that, that were in there uh, that ran. We were always winning and, and running. And, and, you know, big races. And it, it was fantastic, you know, to, to be a part of that program, knowing that we all won. And that's what Wayne always said. He didn't, he, he never uses the word I. He always uses the word we and, and Lucas Stables. And it, and it was good. And I mean, I, it was one heck of a journey. Well, I tell you what, you thought I was the biggest, uh, biggest horse person in the world when I went to work for Wayne Lucas and could put that Wayne Lucas jacket and hat on. You know, it was really good. Um, you know, it's just exciting to do that. It says, if, if I win the Kentucky Derby this year, you can look at, look it up. There will be a small kid I never met before, uh, standing right next to me in the winter circle. The horses come and go. Those feelings stay forever. Each one of us needs to try to make a difference. And that, that's what, uh, you know, we, we say here at IEN, that's how I live my life. I, I try to make a difference wherever I go and, and you know, uh, take time to talk to people. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you talk so much, you know, but I, I do. I like that. In fact, uh, out here at uh, Sunshine Meadows, uh, it's kind of one of, one of the funniest things that I ever did see in my entire life. Um, we had one of our clients out here. Uh, that uh, when I got sick and got cancer a year ago, um, I have a, a John Deere Gator that I go around and, and I uh, do the things that uh, the Brandon Mills, the manager, wants me to do. And I, I, I might collect checks from people. Um, I might check on uh, shavings uh, availability for our clients. Uh, might check on a loose horse being gone. Uh, 
you know, just all kinds of things that I do here, you know, to take a, a little pressure off of uh, some of our staff here that they don't have to, uh, you know, go bother with a loose horse or, or you know, or, or anything like that. And, and also, uh, and that's, and, and like I said, when I, when I got uh, cancer, uh, I had a tremendous outpour of people here at, at our farms, our three farms that we have, um, that just really were concerned about me. And so when I got back, uh, one of the trainers had put uh, a sticker on my John Deere Gator in yellow writing, and it says Governor Scott Miller. Governor Scott Miller, because I'm always out talking to people, and and uh, the owner of our facility here, um, he 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 labeled me that one a long time ago, and so now I have it on my uh, uh, on my uh, gator. And when I go around, it does get somebody's attention, and they do listen to me a little bit more. And also, but it just goes to show you, you need to make a difference in somebody's life, especially here in the equestrian industry. And that's one of the things that, you know, we like to do, make a difference. And who knows? You know, I've got a person out here now that started writing that was a nurse that I had in the hospital, and her kids are out here riding now. And, uh, you know, they they would have never been out here if I hadn't got sick and, and gone to the hospital. And we started talking and everything, and one thing led to another, and now they're out here riding. And so that provided a new client for one of our trainers out here. It provided the kids with happiness. And every day when I get up to go to work, I go out there and I see so many other riders from all ages, Mr. Scott, how you doing? Hey, Governor, how's it going? You know, and, and I've made a difference because they made a difference in my life. And, and that's what it's all about. And speaking of a difference, oh, boy, we're going to talk now about Tryon Resort in North Carolina. It's in Mill Springs, North Carolina. And you talk about making a difference in the equine world. These people at Tryon Resort have really made a uh, difference in the equine industry. Um, it's a beautiful facility uh, lo- located in North Carolina, in Mill Springs, North Carolina, at 25 International Boulevard. Uh, it's called go to tryon.com. That's their website. And they literally have any and everything. And just bear with me for a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to read to you the facts, the equestrian competition facts. They have 280,000 square foot indoor complex, 3,500 seat indoor arena, 5,000 seat international arena, 3,400 seat Tryon Stadium, 1,600 acres, 1,400 permanent stalls and and tack rooms, 36 weeks of competition, at the four-foot level cross-country course, 14 fully engineered rings, seven barns. That's amazing. This is all one facility. Resort packs they have, 200-plus RV spots with full hookups, 50-room stable house inn, 44 one-bedroom cabins, 18-hole um, uh, Cleghorn golf club and pool, 17 three- and five-bedroom cabins, 15 station uh, gun club, on, eight on-site restaurants, one hour from Asheville, 
Charlotte, and Greenville. This is at tryonresort.com. So they're making a difference in the horse business. It's just, you know, when you think about all that in one spot just from horses and people to be around, it really gets it really gets you know, fired up whenever you get into the business because you're in, in first class setting and everything. So that's what we're looking at. Um, another thing uh, that we're talking about uh, today is uh, tickets for the uh, Meadowlands Festival. Um, all the tracks, uh, uh, whether it's thoroughbreds, standard breads, or you know what have you, um, they always have something going on and. It's good entertainment, and just Google in your area equine events, and and it, it'll pop up. And the one we're talking about today is um, is um, at the Meadowlands Festival in New Jersey. It says two of the Meadowlands racing uh, and entertainment's most popular events are back on the calendar for 2022. The sixth annual Beer Festival is set for Saturday, May 21st, and the fourth annual Wine Festival is slated for Saturday, June 25th. So you got a, almost a whole month there that you can rest up from each one of your festivals. Uh, there. So it, it's really great. Um, it says, uh, for the Saturday, May 21st, Craft Beer Fest door opens at, for VIP at 4.30 p.m. with general admission at 5.30 p.m. And beer is poured until 9.30 p.m. The VIP ticket is available for $65 and includes an additional one hour of sampling. Exclusively uh, VIP tent, uh, uh, tent beer sampling and food. General admission begins at 5.30 and is available in advance for $45 or, or at the door for 50 More than 60 breweries and cider reefs and participating restaurants, including a number of local New Jersey craft beers, um, uh, will be there. Uh, it's just an amazing an event. It highlights uh, Jersey, um, you know, the, the food industry and, and everything. And it's just a, it's a great place to go to. It's at the Meadowlands. And, uh, you know, I suggest that everybody go to it. Uh, it's, really, it's really a nice Nice event to go to. I've been to it a couple of times, and uh, maybe more than a couple of times, that, because there might be some times that I might not have remembered coming back from it. It was that good, you know, trying to get there. Uh, now uh, we're going to start talking a little bit uh, more uh, about some annual events that are coming up. And uh, one of the events that, that we have is the 2022 Texas Two-Year-Old Training uh, Catalog uh, is on sale now. Um, if you go to um, uh, com, you can get that online. It says uh, more than 102-year-olds um, are telling me with regional and national fire power have been cataloged for the 2022 Texas two-year-old training sales presented by the Texas Thoroughbred Association at Lone Star Park. With 132 entrants, the auction is set for April 6th at the sale pavilion at Lone Star Park. The brief show is April the 4th at the track in Grand Prairie, Texas. Um, this is going to be a really a, a good sale. Um, the catalog is strong, is strong family-wise. Um, Bridwell added, we have horses that are out of stakes winners, by stakes winners, by proven and new stallions, half-siblings to stakes winners or stakes-placed horses, and half-siblings to Texas champions. 
we couldn't ask for a better group. I can't thank our consigners enough for bringing them to Texas. So uh, that's going to be really a, a good sale uh, there. And, and I tell you, you never can tell when a derby horse might come out, out of that sale. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, we suggest that you go down and, and, and uh, online to FazekTipton.com to get all the information that you need for that. And then the, the one the one um, uh, Fasic Tipton uh, two-year-old trading sale that's really popular. And the great thing about this is, is it comes up on March 30th, and it's the week before the Florida Derby, and, or actually a few days before the Florida Derby. Um, it's the Fasic Tipton Gulfstream sale, select two-year-olds in training. When they say select, that means that Fazek Tipton has gone around and searched out some of the best uh, two-year-olds in training and, and got them into the sales uh, there. Uh, it's it's a great race. I mean, it's a great race. It's a great uh, weekend to, to go see these horses. It'll be on March 30th uh, is the actual sale, which is a Wednesday. The under-tax show is, is March 28th at 9 a.m. starts at 9 a.m. And you can go out and watch them train on the track. And then uh, next couple of days later, you can go watch them go through the sales ring up there. And that's always exciting to do. And, and you're in South Florida. You're at Gulfstream. You're close to the ocean. And there's just a lot of things that you can, uh, you know, you can do when you when you get out there to, to the sales. Uh, you can watch them breathe. Then you can actually watch them go through the sales ring. Gives you a couple of days to pick a winner. That's uh, going to bring a lot of money. You can get you a catalog there. You can watch the races. You can do a lot of things there. But there's 103 horses at the uh, Gulfstream sale, select two-year-old training sale, uh, Wednesday, March 30th, 2022 at 2 p.m. Under tax show, it will be on Monday, March 28th at 9 a.m. So that's uh, that's where we're at as far as that goes. Now, we're going to catch up here uh, with a lot of things that are getting ready to come up here for us and the how they get there how they get there is what we've been talking about here with Wayne and the things that they do and it's the journey that gets you there to the 2022 Kentucky Derby and we're getting ready to uh, uh, unleash some good things next week on how they get there and uh, maybe it'll help you understand it more when you can visually see what we're doing here now, in order to go to the Kentucky Derby, you have to race in races that earn you points to get to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, let me tell you, it's it's a tough road to go because, like we we've been saying all along here on uh, at the wire, our thoroughbred show, is you don't know where to go with your horses and how and and you know this is all part of how they get there, where the owner and the trainers and all decide where they go and how they go to it. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, earlier in, in the year, in late last year, I started with the Breeders' Cup, two-year-old juvenile. And, and, you know, you're looking at full fields. And then you come back and uh, you have, like, uh, uh, the Iroquois, uh, which was a, a good field. Um, and then you have a lot of other horses, uh, a lot of other races that come along as you go along. Um here recently, um, we had the Rebel Stakes, and uh, the trainers are trying to get everybody to uh, 
on the same page. And uh, the Rebel Stakes was a great race. Oh, let me tell you, man, it, it was really a good race. Uh, sitting in there, we were looking at, at looking at a eleven uh, um, horse field uh, that that they had, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh my goodness! I said, will you look at this? I said, these guys are just unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, this quality that was there, the, the trainers that were there. Uh, you know, people was thinking, you know, uh, had their picks, and you know, Bob Baffert had New Grange there, and. He, he was uh, was the favorite. Uh, we had Un Onjo uh, was there uh, with uh, with uh, Mr. Courtville, and, and oh man, it, it was just it was loaded. And, and as we said on the show uh, prior to that, um, we didn't know who was going to win that race. We didn't have a clue. You know, we're sitting there thinking, like, like gee whiz, the Southwest Stakes, which is another Derby prep race. Have five horses that ran in in, um, in the Southwest. They all the million dollar Rebel Stakes. I mean, it, it was just loaded from beginning to end. And there's a lot of trainers are saying, sitting there scratching their heads, saying, "Hey, maybe you know we uh, maybe we should have uh, skipped over this one." I said, "Maybe we should have done that." I said Baffert's got New, New Grange in there, and said, um, "You know, what are you going to do?" So, long story short. Uh, we started looking at the race and, you know, we didn't know who in the heck was going to win it. So now, Ricky Corville, a trainer from, you know, a good trainer, but just not heard of a lot, he comes up and he wins the race. He wins it by a, by a half a length when he wins it. He had a rail trip and a late rush. The horse paid 152.80 to win, 41.80 to place, and 18.60 to show. And then, and then behind him, Ethel Road, D. Wayne Lucas train, paid 13.60 and 7.20. Unbelievable! And then a long shot that I had in there was Barbara Road. He finished third. So it just goes to show you that anybody could win any of these races. Now, all these horses that were in there before him, New Grange and Ben Diesel and um, Texas Red Hot, and, uh, they had some good horses in that race. But let me tell you something, my friend. At this stage of the game, and this time every weekend, you don't know who's going to win. You know, you can you can have a horse that comes in like, like uh, Bob Baffert's horse, and he ends up running, you know, six. And you just never know what's going to happen, and so that's why we're we're really getting excited about how they get there uh, to see what all is coming up. And, and now we've got some coming up this week. Um, uh, on March the ninth, um, we go to London, England, uh, to uh, the Jockey Club at Kempton Park, and have the uh, uh, a Derby Prep race there at Kempton Park. Uh, and it's just a phenomenal place there. Not many horses uh, that, that come out of the, um, it's called the Road to the Kentucky Derby Condition Stakes at Kempton Park on um, March the 9th. Not many of those horses come out of here, come over to uh, run because it's a little different uh, in Europe running and the money's really good there week in and week out. And, and um, you know, it's a lot of expenses to come over here. And, you know, it's just a whole different ball game to to go from uh, one country to the next 
to race in the Kentucky Derby is very difficult to do. And um, that was the Kempton um, Park would be on May, uh, on March 9th. And then here in the States, we have the Tampa Bay Derby coming up on March 12th that's coming up. But uh, the ones that we have coming up here this weekend, it's, we're loaded with three good races this week. Uh, we're going to start with the uh, the Gotham Stakes um, in uh, Aqueduct. Uh, it's race 10 on March 5th. It goes off at 5.27 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a $300,000 race for three-year-olds going a mile. And again, uh, you know, these races vary a mile, mile and a 16th, mile and an eighth. Uh, they're all coming up. And this is a nice field. It's a 10-horse field. Um, very strong field. Very, very strong field. Uh, Mark Cassie has Glider in there. Uh, nice horse. Uh, Todd Fletcher has Golden Cold, uh, in there. He, he's a real nice horse. He's got another, uh, Todd's got another horse in there, Dean's List, um, which is a good solid horse. Loves to run in New York. Um, they have, um, uh, a guy, Bob Claceres has a horse called Life is Great. He's a Florida horse and he's in, he, and he's in, uh, in New York in the wintertime running graded stake races, uh, which is really good. Uh, the, the long shot that I look at in here is Bold Journey. He's a New York bred. Um, he's trained by Billy Mott, and uh, I think this horse is, is going to really uh, show some talent there. Um, I think him and Glider uh, might be right there at the beginning, uh, at, the, uh, at the wire together. And then Bob Baffert come all the way from out west with Rockefeller, uh, got Rockefeller. That's a good New York name. Bred in Kentucky, trained in California, running in New York. Rockefeller for Bob Baffert. Uh, he's carrying 123 pounds and should be the favorite in there. Uh, all the rest of the horses are carrying 118 pounds, with the exception of Steve Ashmussen's horse um, that he has in there, which is Morello, and he carries 120 pounds but bob should be the um uh, favorite in that with uh with his horse rockefeller and uh, that's post time is 5 27 um, p.m eastern time and you can go to ientv.org and you can catch them on america's day races there or uh, and, and we've got several different uh, um, places you can uh, go to uh, watch them on uh, naira bets uh, twinsfires.com uh, we have links on there for all of them. Um, then again, uh, out west, uh, we have the San Felipe. It's a grade two uh, race. It goes off at 2.30 Pacific time, which would be uh, 5.30 uh, our time here on the East Coast. It's a $400,000 purse. It's a grade two for three-year-olds. Um, they're, they're going a mile and a 16th. And let me tell you, we could have the Derby winner coming out of this race. We could very well have the Derby winner. Uh, I like the, the journey that they've taken to get to, uh, on, that they're taking on the Derby for all the horses in here. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting to see, uh, who's, who's going to do, uh, what, um, Arbanac is Bob Baffert's horse in there with Johnny Velasquez up. Uh, Bob's got them all over the place. He's got another one in here. Called um, Dopey Langer, um, uh, which which is a nice horse. Uh, he's a good solid horse. He likes California. He hasn't been out of California. 
and neither is Bob's other horse, but out of California. Um, so he, he's a good horse in there. But, you know, this race here is going to, I think, send the possibly one of the longest shots from for the Derby out. I think he might do it. And the horse I like in this race is, uh, is Doug O'Neill's Happy Jack. Uh, I think Happy Jack is a nice horse. He's coming along good. Um, he's uh, showing, I would say, good stability. Um, he, he trains good. Uh, he, he does everything right. Um, I, I just think that um, this is a, maybe be Doug's year with Happy Jack. Uh, I, I like that horse. I don't know why other than the fact that he's a good, solid, everyday workhorse. Uh, you know, for him out there. We'll see more after Saturday. Uh, who knows? I might be uh, cashing a big old bet on him and headed up for that Meadowlands uh, Beer Festival and wine tasting that they have up there. But here close to home, and I was so glad that every time I see this race every year, it uh, lets me know that spring is on the way. Uh, Derby's around. We're in full swing for the thoroughbred season. And it's time to get down to business. And uh, this is the this is the race that um, that's going to tell me a lot about the three year olds this year. Um, this race is just you know phenomenal uh, as far as um, the talent that's in here. Um, you, you probably couldn't get two feet between the, each one of these horses at the finish line. Again, we go back to like we were saying, the small fields that they came up with earlier uh, in the season, um, the seven, eight field horses. Uh, there's a lot of them that uh, you know uh, did good, and then they get into these bigger races with the bigger horses, and it's uh, really, really uh, tough on them. Um, this is race twelve, and which is a full day of big stake races at uh, Gulfstream, and like I said before earlier in the show, um, every other race uh, they'll have. Uh, on television-wise um, and post-time-wise, uh, it'll be uh, you know a race at Gulfstream, a race at uh, Santa Anita, a race at uh, Gulfstream, a race at Santa Anita, back and forth all day, loaded with stake races all day. Good good day to go watch some good uh, horse racing. But um, here in the uh, classic Tipton Fountain of Youth, it's a Grade Three. Post time is 5:42 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we have a 13 horse field. And I'm telling you what, my friends, this is going to be a race of all races. Um, we're looking at a lot of good trainers here. Um, Kelly Brain's got a horse called In Due Time. Um, I, I don't know if that's an indication that uh, In Due Time means that not today, uh, maybe down the road In Due Time. Um, so that that's a horse that I, I like. He's got Paco Lopez. Uh, in the irons, and he is a fantastic uh, race rider, and Kelly Green's a great trainer um, with his horses. He knows how to get them there. That's for sure. Then we have Kenny McPeak has Rattle and Roll uh, with Brian Hernandez. Uh, Rattle and Roll is a nice horse. Um, I think he might be a good uh, horse for the undercard at Churchill Derby Week. Uh, he's a good, solid horse, but I don't know if he's quite at that level yet. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, AP Secret uh, for uh, 
Mr. Sanford and Jobes is a junior. Um, uh, he, he's a good horse, but I think he's going to be better along in August uh, when Saratoga and Mama Park run around, come around. And then um, Todd Pletcher has Emmanuel with uh, Luis Saez in the game. Um, I, I think uh, this is the winner right here is uh, Saez and Pletcher team up with Emmanuel. Uh, there, Billy Mott's got a, a nice horse. Um, he's got High Oak. Uh, he's a good, strong horse. Billy always trains him. We know that he can get the distance and he can finish. We know that, that that's for sure. And then uh, we come down again with uh, uh, McDon- McDonagall, and uh, he scratched out of this race. He was going to be the favorite for uh, Todd. Uh, he came up with a little bit of a fever and uh, got knocked out of training for a little bit. And so um, they got him back on, you know, back on the road again. He's doing good in the barn, and he's he's uh, getting out. Uh, they got it all under control, and it was just something that uh, you know, a little temperature spiked on him, and and uh, Todd won't run a horse unless he he knows he's got a shot. And if there's anything wrong with him, they're certainly going to stay in the barn and not go to, go into the race. So that's where we're at uh, on International Equine network uh, we didn't get any callers this week i'm kind of disappointed in that but uh you know i can do what i'm doing and still enjoy myself and that's the thing is, is making a difference and enjoying myself and, and hopefully we'll get some uh people down the road to call in to us uh but if we don't it's not going to make or break us my friends uh, we're going to be there 24-7 no matter what in the horse industry because that's the way we live our life, 24-7 in the equine industry. So next week, I uh, look forward to talking with uh, somebody, hopefully on the on the show, um, next week at 1 o'clock at uh, BBS Station 1. Until next week, stay on the journey and remember, make memories. Make memories. We'll talk to you next week on International Equine Report.